You're still here? Even after the butthole surfers episode? Well, it looks like you and I are going to get on, and by way of reward for your remarkable patience, we're going to spend the next two episodes scrutinising a slightly more popular artist. Every once in a while here at Temporary Fandoms, we come up against an artist who has been so prolific, it's hard to know how we can begin to tackle their discography. But despite having nearly 30 albums to his name, David Bowie is not such an artist. His career is long, but it also comes in distinct chapters. The quality varies, but the narrative of his life work never seems to flag, so right up until the end, there's interesting stuff going on. At least, that's my hypothesis before we actually record the damn thing. As with our earlier Mercury episodes, we've recruited a roster of different hosts to guide you through this vast discography, so you'll hear a wide range of voices taking on each part of Bowie's career. As always, I recommend listening to this podcast on Spotify, where you'll hear it edited together with tunes from each of the albums we'll be discussing. The easiest way to find it is to visit our host's Beat Rehab. That's beat.rehab slash tempfans. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash tempfans. That's the admin out of the way. Sit back and relax or stick us in your ears and go for a run. That bit's up to you. But do join us for our most ambitious episode yet on the mercurial British singer-songwriter, David Bowie. Hello, um, welcome to episode six, I think, of Temporary Fandoms. I'm already losing count. It just seems to be a blur. Thanks for still being with us. Uh, You know the deal by now. You know where to listen. Um, When you do go and listen in places, please click like, subscribe, etc., etc., etc. We've got a biggie for you. Um, we've done what we've done. Nick's pet project of the butthole surfers. Uh, we had an excellent Pogues episode. Uh, we had ESG. We we looked at the Mercury Prize nominees. And Nick, what have we got? Now we're going to do David Bowie. Yes, I have fought for this. When we got this at the start, I went, I want to do Bowie in the first six episodes, and it was like, oh, it's a bit of a big one, and. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit of pressure, but I think we're going to be good. We split it over two episodes. We've got multiple people, multiple contributors uh, coming in, each taking a different part, a different period of David Bowie. Um, in the order, I think, that we appear in, and the voices you will hear later, we've got Emily. Hey, Emily, how are you, and what Bowie are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm doing um, The Man Who Sold the World and Hunky Dory. Um, then I, oh, then we go to Ben, Ben Zimmer. Hello. How are you? And what are you doing? Hi there. Um, yeah, I have three albums starting with the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. Got to get the whole title in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed by Aladdin Sane and pinups. Nice. And then finally, uh, tying up the episode, uh, we've got Lyle Wagonek. Lyle, what you got? I'm doing 74 through 76, which is Diamond Dogs, Young Americans, and Station to Station. Awesome. Um, those astute of you at home will think, wait a minute, what about the first two albums? Well, we gave those to Nick and myself. Nick, you have Space Oddity, I believe, mm-hmm. and I have um, Davey Bowie's first album, which we will be talking about later. Um, we're going to keep this brief. We're going to head straight over to um, all the introductions. Remember, if you're on Spotify, find the playlist and you can hear uh, selected tracks from all of these 
as we go. So um, catch you in a minute after this, where it'll be Nick and myself. Ziggy played the sax. He also played the recorder, the ukulele, the piano, and the tea chest bass. Well, young Ziggy did. The bow we know, or at least we think we know, grew up in Brixton, London. Davy Jones, no, not that one, loved Coltrane, Little Richard, Elvis. He was an artistic kid who loved music, dancing, and also the occasional playground brawl. He was a scrapper. Stitches, cuts, and grazed knuckles. After apparently working his way through every musical instrument in the school cupboard, he ended up graduating to the local skiffle jam scene, from scuffle to skiffle. Early attempts at forming groups varied through the Conrads with a K, standard rock and roll fair, wedding band, the King Bees, mod rhythm and blues group. They signed. Uh, Decca Records um, had the single Liza Jane, Lisa Jane, a lot of shouting, screaming. Could have been anybody, really. There was the Manish Boys, much more Bowie-esque name, and there's a jaggery vibe running through all of that. And then finally, there was the Lower Third. Yeah. None of these acts have really left a permanent mark on the history of music, but they can all be found on YouTube. It really is worth a listen if you have the time. But right now, here, we don't. As, as David Jones, yes, that one, gained fame and was moving from the stage to be a monkey, our hero adopted the moniker Bowie, apparently from the inventor of the Bowie knife. He released a few singles. I Dig Everything was okay, I guess. But his fourth single, The Laughing Gnome, should really have ended his career right there. Just imagine the worst novelty record you can. The one that only one of your uncles would dance to at a wedding while really, really drunk, as a hundred family members look on horrified. Yes, it was that bad. For UK listeners, let's just say Keith Harrison Orville taking a left at Mr. Blobby, going through Roland Rat. Yeah, it was that bad. Later on that year, he released his first full album, and this is where the story properly can start. It was 1967, it was self-titled. Looking back, history has not been good to this album. Bowie has distanced himself somewhat from this. Um, but it's curiosity, it's worth looking at. There's some good stuff in there. The opener, Uncle Arthur, is a cheeky cockney tale. Someone gets a bit bored at home, has a fling, but then finds out his new bit of skirt can't cook. So he goes back to his wife. I mean, this tale sort of reeks of what would later become regular fodder for early, mid, blur. Tracy Jack's bit of park life thrown in. We've also got Rubber Band, which is an exercise in a terrible pun writ large, though it addresses loss and sorrow underneath all this cheeky charm. In fact, the whole album seems to be a hark back to old-fashioned music hall. Arthur Askey, Lonnie Donegan, Under the Blackpool Tower Lights, Where's Me Washboard? But underlying everything here, Bowie seems to want to address serious and dark issues. We Are Hungry Men is a tale of fascism, infanticide, and cannibalism. 
Please Mr. Gravedigger is a murder ballad, decades before Nick Cave won plaudits for releasing an entire album of them. Made a Bond Street, damn fine couchy tune. And there's a lot more to be found if you just want to disconnect from what you think of when you think of David Bowie. This album came out the same week as Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And at times, it does seem like he's echoing the more Octopus's Garden style Beatles. I, I'm well aware that was two years later, but bear with me. Than say, A Day in the Life. But if we're gonna spend time applauding David Bowie later in his career for being this musical chameleon, effortlessly shifting from glam to soul to new romanticism to drum and bass, we should also take time and allow him his Dickensian musical period. David Bowie, 1969. The cover features artwork by Hungarian op artist Victor Vazarelli, with a tussled looking Bowie staring out from the center. Our hero clearly wasn't happy with his debut because he also named his second album David Bowie. However, it was reissued as Space Oddity in 1972, thus clearing up any confusion, or creating more, depending how you look at it. Either way, it was a great leap forward for our fledgling star. Everybody knows the opening track, of course, and on the basis of that, you might go into this album thinking you'll find the artist fully formed. And while it's certainly not as excruciating as the debut, it's also easy to dismiss this record as fairly typical twee folk pop. It does, however, stand up to repeat listens, for me, the best tracks on the album come at the beginning and end. Unwashed and somewhat slightly dazed follows Space Oddity, a song reportedly written immediately after his father's death in 1969. You wouldn't know this from the lyrics, though, in which Bowie tells us he's a phallus in pigtails with blood on his nose. Take a moment to savour that image. Worthy of note, however, is that this was the first Bowie song produced by Tony Visconti, who'll be there right at the end of his career, and indeed the end of this podcast, when we finally come face to face with Blackstar. Enjoy it, because it's folk whimsy for the next few minutes. Side 2 opens with Janine, in which we hear Bowie do his best Elvis impersonation. Sadly, it's a bloated Elvis, even if on closer examination, the song does seem to involve axe murder. For the wide-eyed boy from Freecloud, the folk whimsy comes with incongruous musical bombast. It's pretty awful, but things are about to pick up with God Knows I'm Good, and the closing track, Memory of a Free Festival, which feels like the template to every acid-inflected anthem ever written by a 1990s British indie band. Bowie's not quite there yet, but this album is more than just an early curio, and probably deserves more love than it gets. <laughs> 